get the brand established for who you are and what people, you know, what kind of expert you are and why people would call you. But don't let go of that. Keep pummeling it through postcards, social media, videos. Own the brand and don't let go of it and don't give up on it just if you're not getting an immediate return on that, those efforts. So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today I get to interview Tracy McLaughlin. Tracy, how's it going? Where are you at today? It's great. I'm out here on the water in Belvedere, California, which is just over the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, I'm really lucky if I have to be kind of self-quarantining, this is a great place to do it. So on the water in a town called Belvedere. That is super, super awesome. So Tracy, you, you've run like a, a big team out there in the Bay Area, right? The, uh, when it comes to when I was looking at some of your bio and everything else, you've got a lot of sales going on. You've got a book coming out. What, are, what were your sales in the last year that you did out there? Uh, last year, we did a, I did $178 million. I'm super proud of that because it broke my own record. You know, I've been the number one agent every single year in Marin County since 2005. We've done a lot of research around that, and that is a singular record for a county in the country. Um, we've, we've tried to find anybody else who's done that. We can't in our, so far with our research. So, you know, last year started a little bit challenging, and I thought, oh, I'll never do. I usually do about $150 million every year. And we ended up just kind of knocking it out of the park in the last of all months, December of 2019. I don't know why there was just big sales uh, in the last month of last year. So we ended up, you know, breaking my own record. And, uh, and I have two licensed assistants that help me. I don't actually have any other team members. So that's all my sales, actually. That is awesome. 170 million sales. What's the average price point of those? I mean, those are some high-end houses. So around, you know, if you average it all out, last year it was probably around three, three and a half million, somewhere in that. You know, it's kind of, a, there's a lot of disparity and swing in pricing here. Marin County, a very expensive home in Marin County is around $15 million. And there's a handful of those sales every five years. It's not like Los Angeles or New York where those are, you know, come in on truckloads. So, you know, most trades here are sort of, you know, 3 million, 4 million, 2.5 million. So, you know, and we do, we do, I think about 28 to 32 transactions a year split evenly on the buy and sell side. So it's a pretty balanced business. Did you do any of those huge ones last year, the 10 or $15 million ones? I did. I did. I, I did a $14 million sale right as we slid into December of last year and, you know, a couple in the 12 range. So, uh, again, that does, I, you know, it's so funny. Marin is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. If, you, if you've been to Belvedere or you look at Corinthian Island, it, it's very Portofino-esque. You've got, like, cliffs with boats and yachts, you know, below the cliffs and 
gorgeous homes built into the hillside and you're looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. And yet we've never really broken the ceiling of valuation of a place like Santa Barbara, you know, when Oprah Winfrey went there and, you know, knocked on the ceiling and said, I'll pay $38 million for a home. And then everybody followed that. It's interesting. We, we haven't done that yet here. And it's one of the most beautiful places in the country. So I'm, uh, it'll be interesting to see watch what happens after this COVID, you know, um, uh, health scare. If, if more people don't pop right over the bridge and have a little bit of a different experience. So. And is, it, is it, that's just, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Like you got San Francisco, you cross the Golden Gate and you're up into Marin right there, right? Exactly. It's Sausalito. I'm sure maybe you or, or some of your viewers have been to Sausalito. That's a very known touristy area, but Sausalito, Tiburon, Belvedere, Ross, you know, it's a great, it's a great lifestyle and it, you've got immediate access to the city, but just this gorgeous sort of topography and a beach and microclimates. It's, it's a great place. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, in, uh, so I, I, I live in Northern California half the time, Austin, Texas, half the time, two totally different markets. Although those two Austin particular is getting closer, but as soon as you get like 30 miles outside Austin, you go from, you know, $700,000 price points to hundred thousand dollar price points. What's funny is you're like an outskirt of San Francisco where the, but you're still, but they're still at 10, $15 million price points out there as you're getting just a little ways outside the Bay. That's right. Yeah, that's, and, and we've always been below Silicon Valley, which is interesting because if you, if you know much about Silicon Valley, you know, Woodside, Los Altos, um, Atherton, you know, it's beautiful, but it's sort of, you know, another leafy suburb USA, right? It's, it's gorgeous. But if you were walking around the streets, you'd say, well, I could be outside of Chicago. I could be, you know, it's tree line, pretty, the, the, I think the interesting thing about Marin County is that it's, you know, you, you, there's nothing else like it. I mean, you don't have these Portofino-esque cliffs with yachts and looking at San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge. So we're very defined by our topography, microclimates, the beach. You know, we're a couple hours, you know, three and a half hours from, uh, from Tahoe and, you know, 45 minutes from the wine country. So it's a, it's a great launching pad, too, for a lot of uh, interesting activities. That's, I think, that's a lot of why people are pulled here, so... Yeah. I mean, those, those high real estate prices aren't everywhere. Have you always done real estate near there? Yes. I've uh, always, always been in Marin County. We, uh, uh, my former partner husband and I founded uh, Morgan Lane in Marin, a boutique brokerage back in 2006. We grew that very successfully, picked off all the top agents here in Marin. And then we were able very luckily to buy Pacific Union, which became the fifth largest brokerage in the state. And then uh, that was sold to Compass about a year and a half ago. So a uh, longstanding history of not only being one of the top agents, but then owning a brokerage. So it became very well known throughout the state because we accumulated a lot of other brokerages down in Los Angeles. So Wow. So as we're recording this, we're deep into like second week of shelter in place stuff. Real estate market is completely changing. So we'll get into that in a little, in a second, because I mean, you start in your office in 2006. That means you have seen a couple of these ups and downs, swings and shifts. But let's talk about that first year uh, that you opened your office. What were the things you did to grow your business and to come into a, a market like that, where at the time average price was probably still a couple million bucks? Like how did you break into that market how did you make a successful business your first year out yeah as an agent you mean before yeah. i brokerages yeah so um and i speak a lot on this subject you know i it's it's there's so many real estate agents that are licensed right what two million in the country or something and every market has got a surge of agents um that don't do a ton of business so people i think start out in the business they go they're kind of paralyzed like how would i ever differentiate myself from my colleagues so um, what I did was I had been kind of flipping homes on the side 
And so I had a broadcasting background. I was coming out of that saying, what, that, what now what am I going to do? So I started buying homes and, and renovating them. And I had raised people working for me very regularly. So when I got into the business, what I did was I decided to become an expert in that part of the business, transforming houses and showing people how to monetize them. And it's almost like um, a sixth sensory or savant, like, I don't know, I could just walk into a space and immediately know that wall has to come down. Those counters need to be changed. That white has got too much blue in it and it needs to be a different white. You know, I could just see that stuff. So what I did was I started the McLaughlin concierge service and I, you know, everything is branding, right? I created a phone number for the concierge service and I said 24 seven concierge on board, whether you want to list a home with me or not, call me for advice. And I, and I created an iconic like column and I wrapped the words drywall painter, you know, um, flooring around. I wrapped those words around the column and people used to call the number all the time. They're like, McLaughlin Concierge Service? I was like, yes, this is Tracy. And then I would help people. And a lot of times it was pro bono. It was my advice. But it really uh, allowed me to get a foothold in the business, which was very much predicated on A, being very knowledgeable about something, and B, really being able to direct my assistants in not always a self-serving way. And that, that grew, that knowledge base was very, very helpful to me. So I always say to people, whatever aspect of real estate that you fall in love with, whether it's flip, you know, flipping to sell or understanding how to monetize a home in pre-listing renovations, or it's understanding really like you're the best negotiator in the world and you're sick of law and you decide you wanna apply it in a different sphere, figure out what it is that you love about the business and then take that and drill it very consistently in a marketing and ad campaign. And that will really, really help you. That is really great advice. I mean, I think, I think having that, that concierge service, like it, it probably makes that phone call too for somebody so much easier, right? Like whether you want to hire me or not, call me for advice. And so people yeah. are now, instead of calling a real estate ad, they're calling Tracy and it's very low pressure. They're like, hey, we're thinking about this and this and maybe you've got the drywaller for them. But sometimes too, that leads to business later. You might help somebody hire a handyman today. And then later they're like, I'm going to call Tracy when I want to sell my house. And it's um, very true. I, I've realized that this stuff always comes around. I got a call a few months ago from a couple. Oh my God, this was like 16 years ago. I was like, Ooh, which house? What? And I was on, I was on the buy side representing the buyer. They were the list. They were the, the sellers and she called, she said, we've never forgotten what a great job you did for your buyers and how well you treated us in the negotiations as the sellers. And we want you on our team this side, on the other side. You know, it's just, you don't realize how you walk through every day, what you say, how you guide people, how much assistance you give when you think there's never going to be anything that comes out of it. You don't realize down the road how much that stuff pays off. You know, I've seen agents in our business uh, very short term, very short sighted in terms of how they behave. You know, I've seen agents lose listing and instead of saying, of course, I'll release the, you know, the, the, the exclusions after a reasonable amount of time, or of course, you know, who hold on to things. And it's just, you know, all you have to do is have that seller tell 20 people how poorly you behaved to undo two years of great work. Like people need to remember that people, that everything is for the long term. You know, it's not a short term investment in our business. So. Yeah. That's great advice too. You know, the, 
you said being able to, you know, brand it, branding that concierge service or anything else that somebody loves about the business, have that be their niche, kind of that, that, that thing that they get to reach out. And then remembering like the goodwill that you're doing now, especially right now is we're going to go into, I believe we're heading into a slower real estate time. I believe there's going to be a lot of unknown stuff because of the market, because of coronavirus, because of people on unemployment and then back. So there's probably going to be a lot more people that kind of need some help, some miscellaneous help right now without the pressure of, I don't know if I want to sell yet. I don't, I, you know, the, kind of like the, the colder sell. So I think there's probably a lot of opportunity right now. Like that. Yeah, I had a, a, a close friend uh, call me about selling his home. It's a $6 million house today, actually. And he said, you know, and he's got a lot of commercial investment and those, those tenants may not be paying the rent for a while. He just kind of sees this, you know, he, he's concerned because his money is uh, discretionary money is, is tied up in a lot of commercial real estate and tenants yeah. pay, especially his, you know, his tenants, a lot of them are retail oriented. So he said, you know, look, I think I should pull the liquidity out of this house. Da, da, da. And I said to him, you know, hold on. I know you really well. I know how much you love that house, how much you love having dinners there with your kids. You're constantly at the epicenter of your family coming over you need to think long and hard if you want to pull the trigger on something you love, you know, for a short-term concern. So basically, you know, I spent the conversation talking him out of selling the house. Right. That's because he has been loyal to me. He's done seven, you know, he's probably done a hundred thousand or excuse me. He's probably done close to 80 or 90 million in deals with me. He's kind of a proper, you know, serial property trader. And I'd way rather hold on to that relationship than give him advice about selling a home when I, I don't think that's probably the best thing for him to do right now. So, yeah. Real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, eBooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com, agentsuccesstoolbox.com and get your free gifts now. You know, one of our kind of pre-questions we ask, if you were going to do a TED Talk, what would it be? And, and I think your answer was like, brand it like Apple, right? And I think that's kind of what you said early on is like taking that brand. Any additional advice that you would add to that or, or is that exactly what you meant by it when it came to branding? Yeah, so let me explain that. You know, I, the, we, there are certain brands, right, that we just, we pay more for because we like their packaging, like Apple phones, iPhones, yeah. Apple computers, the Four Seasons, Let's just pretend we're going to travel somewhere. We don't know the area very well, but we see that that logo and we, we say to ourselves internally, snap, that's going to be a great experience in a hotel. I don't even really need to Google it, Yelp it, find out what people thought. So branding is, in my opinion, it's everything in business. It's everything. And what I have seen people do is not choose a brand, not only not choose a brand, that's the number one thing is how do you brand yourself? But then what they do is they're short-sighted because they pop in and out of different markets with different messages, right? 
So instead of saying, oh, there's actually an area geographically in my community that's not really tapped out right now. I am going to become the expert in that part of the community. I'm going to send out a postcard. I don't even care if I don't have a listing. I'm going to make myself the expert here. I'm going to mail a postcard out every month. I'm going to be, have a social media following. I'm going to do videos from the street corners, whatever you have to do. And what happens is uh, I've seen a lot of my colleagues jump in give it a couple, you know, three months, and then they just kind of bail out because they didn't get a call for a listing and they go to the next thing. And that kind of chasing markets around and chasing different buyers and sellers around without a defined brand, I think is really detrimental to your business. So I always speak to not only get the brand established for who you are, what people, you know, what kind of expert you are and why people would call you, but don't let go of that. Keep pummeling it through postcards, social media, videos, own the brand and don't let go of it and don't give up on it just if you're not getting an immediate return on that, those efforts. So, yeah, I really, I, I like that idea out there. So let's kind of switch gears a little bit right now. Everybody's they, you know, working from home, sheltering in place, especially Northern California Bay area where you're at was probably one of the first places where everything, you know, shut down. What do you think agents should be doing right now? What are you doing right now um, as far as, you know, client outreach or survive or anything, any advice at all for agents that are like, what do we do when we're at home and our business has slowed way down? What can they do right now? It's a great question. And, um, you know, this is day 16 for us on this uh, shelter at home situation. I, I don't know what's going on where you live in Austin and in Northern California, this is kind of funny. People have started howling at seven o'clock out their doors and windows. Have you heard about this? So yeah. last, I mean, maybe this is a Marin County thing, but last night I'd heard this was happening and people, I think they're just, they're going stir crazy. So they're opening the doors and howling at seven. It's quite funny. But anyway, after you're done howling and when you want to get back to work, here's, here's what I am suggesting. I have worked more hours in the last three weeks in this house with very little transactional stuff going on than I have. I mean, I usually work 12 hours a day anyway. I'm not doing anything but going to yoga here and then going back to that desk. And here's the thing. There's a real opportunity right now to grow your business, to contact your clients, to have longer conversations than you would ever have with them if this wasn't going on. There was one client that called me who actually is good friends with Bill Gates he knows all those guys. We were on the phone talking about the economy. Where do we think this is going? The implications. I had the most meaningful hour and a half conversation with him. If this had been a regular week in my business, I, would, I just couldn't have spent that kind of time talking to him. So the investment in relationships, the exchange of intellect, the going through every single name on your buyer and seller board and any potential clients and reaching out to them with a positive spin on what's going on. And I'm not talking about mitigating, you know, how serious this is, but we could all freeze right now and say, you know, we can't transact homes. We can't show them. We can't do this. That's what's going on here where I live. And we're finding very creative ways to still try to get people to put pen to paper. I have two deals I've executed in the last week. They're both on, on homes that have been seen before the, the shelter in place. So I was lucky enough that they'd been engaged already. And I got on the phone. I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity. Those sellers either have to sit dead in the water here for another 30 days. Then they're going to put their homes back on as active. Right now, they're all temporarily withdrawn. Then we have to see if there's a reset in the market. 
we might have an implosion of people coming over from San Francisco saying, I've been in a vertical house with stairs and elevators and not been able to get out easily for what, two months now, I am moving to Marin County. I said, or you could have a lot of competition for a great asset. So why not buy the house right now? I mean, it's not going to go down by 10%. We have limited supply here. There's still a lot of continued demand. And I understand this is a regional conversation. So not everybody might be feeling this way. But at the end of the day, I feel our business is a bit almost protected from what's going on because people's homes will never matter to them more than they do right now. How many hours a day are you looking at these walls? And if you can afford to be in something nicer, why would you not understand the value of that after what we're going through? So I think those kinds of conversations of encouragement, and I just put out a huge newsletter yesterday saying, if you found a house or you find a house in a location that you love and it's not easily replicable, buy it. Don't look back and sit there and go, I was waiting for the bottom or I thought I could steal it. Good assets like great homes and great locations, they're always a good investment, even when we go through these little blips that we're going through. So that's a that's great advice. Like the when they're out there looking for properties right now, like the unique stuff is still special. The special stuff is still special. And the and a lot of people aren't like your client that's gonna buy 30 houses. They're trying to buy one to be in for a long time. And the uh and so, you know, whether they get it now or later, the uh you're right. I think people's homes mean a lot to them right now. Well, everyone's sheltering. We just moved into a new into a new new home in Austin and the and right before we got the shelter in place, and my family is so grateful. They're like, man, we're so grateful it's happening here. So I think you're right. And it, great advice too, you know, that Tracy just gave all our listeners out there is call and reach out to the people now. And have the conversations that you never had time to have before. If somebody's, you can really actually just call and ask like, hey, how's it going? How's it going in the house? What are you thinking about? If somebody was interested in trying to have you help them buy a house last month, like, hey, has anything changed with that? Like when all this goes, now that you've been in your house for a while, you know, are your goals changing? Do you want a different sized house? You know, more bedrooms, more about anything. Like you're right. There's going to be a lot of things that over the last couple of weeks where, Buyers may have changed their preferences and ideas and having those conversations now while you have time and, and, uh, and just being able to filter some of those questions that people have, like what's going to happen next. Yeah, I don't, at the end of the day, you know, we're transacting uh, an asset that people enjoy. They make their memories in, in homes and people need shelter. They need places to live. And I do not think as of what's happened, we are freezing our business. I understand if you own a small restaurant and your, uh, your revenue's down by 70% and your costs, your, your, you know, your, your um, operating costs are the same, that you, that's really a difficult position to be in. So I'm really very empathetic to all the service providers and restaurants and things that are going through this. But I don't, I think, you know, I, I feel there'll be a preservation of the importance of houses and it will come out of this okay on the other end. Yeah. So, so right now you're at home, you're building your business, you're reaching out to customers, you're making sure that you give them attention and care and the, with the hope that when everybody comes out of this thing, it'll be back to business as usual and, and take the unique opportunities while they can. The, tell me about your book. You've got a book that the, is releasing kind of in, in just a few weeks or, the, or, or maybe it's you know, mid-May. Tell us about your book. Why'd you write the book and, and how, when is it getting released? Yeah, I mean, if it's okay, I'll flash it out there because I would love everybody to order this book called Real Estate Rescue. You can pre-order it on Amazon in an audio format or the book itself. So here's, um, and I'm, I'm so proud of this book for the following reasons. It's not a, you know, how to buy, how to sell. 
It is insightful advice from somebody who's one of the top people in the country. I've been consistently ranked as one of the top people in the United States. And it is everything I have seen people do wrong or right over the course of those 22 years to leave money on the table. Uh, the idea for the book, I'll, I'll be really quick on my story, but a divorced couple divorcing, he was very generous. He gave the soon-to-be ex-wife the house, which was worth about 5.2, 5.3 million. She hired a socialite friend of hers who was dabbling in real estate, literally just hung her shingle and thought it'd be fun. She felt she owed that friend a favor because the friend had been listening to her divorce woes for a year. Hires her. The first offer as a buyer's agent I brought to that house was for $5 million and it went unresponded to. The second offer was eight months later, two staging changes and eight more, nine more months of carry on a mortgage for 4,600,000. So I, and maybe it was five one, but anyway, I write in the book and this is what spawned the idea for the book was I hope that friendship was worth a half million dollars to her because that's what it cost her to be that woman's friend. And she'll never know what she left on the table because people who do not do this for a living, who think anybody can do this or help you sell or this, that have no idea what they're leaving behind because they don't know enough to know enough. So that watching that, horrible thing happened to that woman and knowing she had no idea what she left on the table. She just thought, Oh, well, I guess I should have accepted that first offer, but I didn't. And here I am now with a half million dollars less to move on with the rest of my life with. I thought it was a tragedy. I see this happen all day, every day in our business. And the nucleus of the issue, the reason this happens is we are uh, as a, as a, an industry, not as educated as most people who are money managers. I mean, if you've got your stock portfolio with somebody they went to college for four years. They've got a you know, series seven. They've got all sorts of restrictions around what they can and can't do. We need 60 hours of Anthony's real estate school. We can be 18 years old and telling people what to do with their homes and oftentimes very incorrectly. So I wrote this book as a result of sort of all these ideas. And, you know, the book is very self-deprecating. It's funny. There's funny illustrations. It's not a, it's a really funny book also, but the content, the, the, it's hit number one in a couple categories already. And the content uh, is, I, I don't, nothing's ever been written like it. And that's why I decided to write the book. So it's published by Mango. It's not self-published. It's a great book. That's awesome. So the, is it aimed at real estate agents or people thinking about selling their house? Everybody. We've got um, those, I think a great segment of the book sales will go to people in my industry who want to learn from one of the best. And um, I'm going to just take copious notes on all of these uh, chapters about, you know, mistakes that are made. You know, I'll, I'll give you, is it okay to give you one quick one? Yeah. You know, out here, I'm a huge fan of leaving no, absolutely nothing to be, to compromise the sale of the assets. So, so a lot of times, and I see this all the time, you've got agents just throwing houses on the market without pre-listing inspections, right? The worst thing that can happen in our market is for an escrow to be canceled. You will never go back and recover that first 10 to 12 days of marketing and multiple offers, which we're used to out here. And so once you've got a canceled escrow, that's it. You'll never recover the momentum and the pricing you would have gotten if you hadn't fallen out of contract. Well, the reason a lot of these homes fall out of contract is somebody discovers something that was easily discoverable by the seller. So one of the things, I will not take a listing unless my sellers do seven pre-listing inspections. Out here, that's you know, everything from roof, chimney, structural, drainage, home, pest, 
mandatory sewer lateral. So that's, those are the inspections buyers are getting here. So anyway, I'm just leaving very little margin for error in my listings so that when I put these on and we price them right, they trade out immediately. There's no more negotiation. It's a done deal. And everybody goes to bed after the offer is ratified and says, that's it. My house is closing. So this book addresses all sorts of things like that, practical things like pre-listing inspections and a lot of case study on the emotional component of why people hold on to their homes and they don't listen to their agents. So if agents are listening to this and want to understand how to really get to their sellers in terms of moving them off what they think their home's worth and getting it priced right so you can actually sell the thing and, and earn a living, that's very much addressed in this book. So Wow. Uh, being able to, you know, help deal with clients' emotions with that, being able to, to you know, to take those opportunities to uh, increase the valuation. When you get those pre-inspections done, do you just attach them to the listing? Do you, you know, yes, send them out as soon as someone's... Called a buyer's packet here. And so basically we drop the dis seller disclosures and all those pre-listing inspections together in one big buyer's packet. And we have potential buyers sign off on the entire packet before they make an offer. It's just like, that's just done. It costs the seller somewhere around $3,000 for all those reports here. It's the best $3,000 they could ever spend. Because I'm telling you, that whole nail-biting thing of, we finally got an offer, we're finally in contract, now we're going to spend 14 to 17 days sweating at night, biting our nails. Will they, won't they, are they, you know, that this is just a clean way to sell houses. It's uh, you show them the house, they, they've got the packet. Every market. What's that? Yeah, so you show them the house, they've got the packet, they're not negotiating credits or repairs midway in or changing their mind. It's like they, they know everything ahead of time. Exactly, exactly. And they sign off on that. I mean, that doesn't mean, it, but you know, I, my business model is to not have provisions. They can certainly bring in whoever on their own team, experts, verify the reports, but we get our reports done by the very best inspectors. We encourage them, bring your own contractor, bring your own people in, but do that before you write the offer and satisfy yourself to the state of this house instead of holding us as the seller up. So yeah, make sure yeah. it's ready. There's a lot of stuff like that in there. And, you know, we just, I just got a shopping agreement for a TV show on the book and the, the, the nucleus of that show when it gets developed will be about the wrangling that goes on between us as agents and our sellers. So think about this, like, in any other business endeavor, right? Let's just say you go into, let's say you go to the hospital, you go, God, my, my shoulder's been hurting, blah, blah, blah. And the doctor says, here's the protocol. We're going to do a surgical repair. Blah, and you would just, thank you. I can't wait to get back here. I want to go. Our business is the actual opposite. You are the expert. You walk in, the seller listens to you and says, I absolutely disagree with everything you're saying. We don't need to change the paint. That slab, I love that granite slab from 1985. It's worked well. My friends come over here and tell me how much they love our granite slabs. They love our granite slabs. And there you are pleading with people for them to make more money on their home. It's a, the, the incongruity in that is just beyond. So this book really addresses how to work through that, how language to tell people that you're on their side. This is not about making commission. This is about making them more money on the sale of their home. So anyway. How funny. That is, that is exactly right, right? The, you go talk to your doctor. The doctor says, hey, you've got, you've got, you know, we looked at the x-ray and this is what we found. And everyone's like, okay. And, the, and you're an agent and you go in and say, hey, we've looked at the x-ray and this is what we found. And they're like, nope, you're wrong. The, uh, and you're really just trying to help them 
maximize that. That's quite a battle. That sounds like it would be a fun TV show. Sounds like a great book, Real Estate Rescue, Tracy McLaughlin. Tracy, any, any final you know, recommendations right now for people out there in the world and how can we find you? Um, well, you know, final recommendations would be that what a great career we all have an opportunity to succeed at with a lot of like really long hours. It's a, you know, listen, this, that you don't become successful not doing this for many, many hours every day. So I'd say, I, I, I think something that's very optimistic to think about, I write about in the book is people need us. I'm sorry. There is no way you can take people with the emotive component of buying something they fall in love with and somebody selling something that they're in love with emotionally and put those people together and think that that's going to be transacted with algorithms or machines or it's just not. We are one of the very necessary industries in this country to get that ebb and flow to work so that people can move on and move to the next house. So I think we have a real opportunity to preserve our industry if it's done with integrity and a lot of the principles actually in this book. I don't think we're going away is what I would conclude with. So. Awesome. All right, Tracy, the you know, social media, websites, anything like that for us to find you? Yes. Uh, well, Tracy McLaughlin, Tracy at TracyMcLaughlin.com. If anybody wants to email me and ask a question, you're always welcome to reach out. If anybody's listening to this and says, I just want her help, I'd be happy to talk to you on the phone. And uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. What else do you want to know? I'm on Instagram. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's the way to find you. That's all the stuff. Sounds like all the different social media out there, but take Tracy up on that offer. Like so many of our agents out there, so many of our listeners are new agents and the, and I tell people, other agents, investors, everything right now, when I say reach out to me for advice, I am, I am telling the truth. I want to help people. Tracy wants to help people. I can tell as I've been talking to her today, the, uh, this has been an awesome show. Tracy, thanks for getting on here. And the, I hope you go enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.